0: This is Positively Farming Media. As the growing season is winding down in many areas, we may be looking at some bare empty spaces in our gardens and wondering what to do with them. Should we just mulch it over, add fresh compost and let it sit? How about a cover crop? Using a cover crop gives back a ton of benefits, improving soil structure, preventing erosion, acting as a living mulch, and adding nutrients back into the soil. And yes, this can be done in both in-ground beds and raised planters. What you plant and then what you do with it when it's done all depends on what you want to get out of it. So today we'll cover all the options to help you figure out which crops work best for your individual garden needs. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a 5-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. First of all, I want to say I love you guys and I love getting messages from those of you who are trying your darndest to better educate those around you with the information that you're getting here and from my articles on the website and reels and TikTok and all those things. And most of all, I love that you're doing it to be kind and not to be a know-it-all. And yes, I was that kid that got accused of being a know-it-all because when I learn something important or interesting, I think everybody should know it and I want to share it. And it's not coming from a place of trying to prove I know more than somebody else. It's an attempt to help people. And I know many of you are doing the same thing, and sometimes that doesn't translate very well on the internet, because there are a lot of people out there who post things just to be mean or contradictory, and it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. I bring this up because a fellow farmer's market vendor, Shannon, who is a baker but who's been learning to garden the past couple of years, got into a discussion in an online gardening group about marigolds. Someone had said marigolds are great against squash bugs, but Shannon, who listens to this podcast and also gets information from my husband and I anytime she has something going on in her garden, contradicted this person and pointed out that they actually attract squash bugs. I will link to the marigold episode and the article I wrote on this that has all the links to the research that shows this to be accurate. The original poster argued with Shannon, and I guess she countered with those same links that I'm going to share with you. But my point is this, there are going to be a ton of different opinions and advice on what works and what doesn't work in the garden. 90% of this information is likely going to be anecdotal. It doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means that someone observed something happening in their garden. They made a correlation between one thing and another. And over the years, that correlation has been passed down as fact to thousands of other gardeners. Sometimes that works out really well, and lots of gardeners benefit from that. And sometimes, as in the case of marigolds, it's downright untrue, and it's having the opposite effect. I planted marigolds with everything for years, thinking I was deterring pests. It wasn't until I dug into the studies and started making my own detailed observations that I realized I had been totally incorrect in some cases, and I had passed that information on to other gardeners. Nothing about growing plants in a domesticated situation is an exact science. Everything in the garden is affected by everything else in the garden, and it's affected by the weather conditions, our climate, air quality, water quality, water availability, the type of soil we have, the types of soil microbes we have, and we are not gardening in a vacuum. Even if there is peer-reviewed, evidence-based research that proves conclusively that something does or doesn't work, it may be different in your garden. Maybe not for the reason you think, but for some reason. So if you've been given advice to do something a certain way, whether that's from me or somebody else, and it works, great. It may not be for the reason you think that it's working, but keep doing it if it helps you to be successful. But in the same vein, if you take a piece of advice and it doesn't work, don't think that it has anything to do with your abilities as a gardener. Your garden is different from mine, and it's different from your neighbor's, and it's different from that research plot that the scientists used to come up with their recommendations. Try something different and try again until it works. And then share that information with other gardeners by saying, hey, this is what worked for me. It may not help everybody, but it might help somebody. And isn't that kind of the point of sharing information? So shout out to Shannon and everyone else trying to steer gardeners in the right direction, but without being snarky about it. Okay. Speaking of steering gardeners in the right direction, what exactly is a cover crop and why am I steering you in that direction? Cover crops are any plant that is grown in the garden to improve the soil or to help our local environment in some way. Now in farming, the cover crop is usually planted during the time when a cash crop is not growing. So this is basically just going to keep the soil in place during the winter time. It may fix nitrogen into the soil. It might add biomass back in it's acting as some sort of a living mulch now in the home garden we can do the same thing just on a smaller scale but for the exact same reasons we just have to decide what we want to achieve and then we can figure out what to plant in order to accomplish that goal now cover crops are usually grains grasses brassicas or legumes and oftentimes they're grown during the fall and the winter and then they're turned under in the spring or they're cut down and they're left on the soil surface to act as a mulch they can also be planted in between crops in the summertime to help keep the soil protected and You can also grow them during the gardening season as a living mulch, if you choose something that's low-growing under something that's taller. So like if you look at the three sisters method of gardening, where we grow beans up our corn stalks, the pumpkins or the winter squashes that are grown at the bottom of that trio are shading the ground, they're cooling the roots of the other two crops and preventing weeds from popping up. Now we usually talk about this in terms of being a companion planting or intercropping, but this is also a type of cover crop. We are covering the soil. Now during their growth, cover crops help reduce soil compaction, they capture excess nutrients and they prevent erosion the roots of some of these crops can help loosen heavy textured soils. This is what I use daikon radishes for over the wintertime in our soils that have the heaviest clay concentration. I plant in the late summer to early fall, allow those super large radishes to get established, which aerates the soil. And then as they die off over the winter, they decay in the ground in the spring, which also adds those nutrients back into the soil and it's adding organic matter. Now if we use legumes as a cover crop, it adds nitrogen back into the soil, and most of us are generally lacking good amounts of nitrogen on our gardens anyway because our plants use so much of it each season. And then we can also use cover crops to reduce weeds, and they can provide a really excellent habitat for beneficial insects. Now, as these cover crops grow, they also become living reservoirs for nutrients and micronutrients. So when we work them back into the soil or we lay them on top of the soil, not only are they breaking down and making those nutrients available again to your future garden crops, but they're also feeding the microbiota in the soil. We talk about the microbiome all the time. They need to be fed. And of course, at the same time, it's also increasing the soil organic matter. So each type of cover crop that we use can actually serve more than one purpose depending on what our garden needs speaking of multi-purpose I have been using magic mind for a little while now for a more focused sustained level of energy throughout my day and I have been drinking it right alongside my coffee in the morning and it's been working great but since my mid-afternoons are the time when I generally get out of the heat in the gardens and get on my computer for a little while I decided to try a different approach now I'm taking my little green happy shot in the late morning and I cannot tell you how much more focus I have in the afternoon while doing my admin work or doing bookkeeping for the farm whatever other non-stimulating work i have to do in front of a screen i'm checking off my to-do lists left and right and getting right back out into the gardens or even out for a run feeling super accomplished with enough non-jittery energy to complete my day on an upswing instead of dragging across the finish line for a limited time you can get your own little green happy shots and a discount off the already discounted subscription price by going to magicmind com slash just grow and using code just grow 20. This will save you around 50% off of the regular price. magicmind.com slash just grow with code just grow 20 at checkout for your own productivity boost. The link is in the show notes. So, there are seven different goals that we can hope to achieve with cover crops. So, first we have to decide what our garden needs and decide how we're going to get there. So, number one is prevent soil erosion and provide weed control. So, if our soil is left bare when we're not actively growing something in it, either the weather conditions are going to carry away some of that topsoil or the weeds are going to jump in and take hold, right? So we can use cover crops to combat both of these things. Number two is nitrogen fixation. Anytime that we grow something in our garden, we are pulling nitrogen from the soil. And oftentimes our soil is going to be depleted after that crop is done. So we can use certain cover crops to help replace that lost nitrogen. Number three is green manure and mulch. So Almost all of our cover crops can be used in this way. You grow the crop, you chop it down, you leave the roots to break down in the soil, which feeds the soil just the same way like a composted livestock manure would. And then either we turn that top growth under to also break down or we leave it whole on top to act as a mulch. It will also eventually break down and add those nutrients to the soil, but in the meantime, it's acting as a mulch in the same way a straw or any other mulch would be. Number four is creating biomass. Sometimes the whole goal is just to increase the soil organic matter, and the bulkiest of our cover crops are grown for this specific task. The bulk is usually in reference to the root system. So those daikon radishes I talked about are bulky in one root, but a crop like mustard has a very large amount of root mass that can be left in the soil to break down too. Not All crops are good at this. So if this is a goal that we need um, to achieve, then we need to choose specific cover crops. Number five is breaking up the soil. If you have heavy clay soil like I do, you want plants that either have very thick and interconnected root systems to break up that soil or that have a very large tap root to loosen and aerate the soil. Again, our daikon radishes and mustards are going to fall into this category. Number six is attracting beneficial insects. Obviously, there is a lot to say to be said for any plant that's going to attract beneficials to our garden. Cover crops can be used for this too. This is especially true if you have a bed in the garden that's not going to be used for an entire season because, I don't know, maybe you need to break down a disease cycle or you need to build up soil nutrients. We have one entire field we did this with this year. Planting a cover crop that's going to flower will draw in those insects that can also benefit your garden at the same time. These crops are going to be chosen based on the length of time that they are going to be left in place, but you also want to pay attention to how easily they self-seed. You don't want something that goes to seed really quickly and then becomes a nuisance weed in your garden. So, if you have a space that will be cover cropped like all season long, you're going to choose something like a clover that's going to bloom but doesn't become a nuisance after it's been terminated. Conversely to that, if you have something that's only going to be in there for a short period of time, then you can choose something like a buckwheat that's going to flower but then gets terminated before it goes to seed so it doesn't become a nuisance. And then number seven isn't going to apply to all of us but some of us it will and that is forage. So if you're a homesteader or if you have livestock or maybe you have backyard chickens or you keep um, rabbits to use their manure or just as pets, You can grow cover crops that will also act as a food for your animals. So you can put it in place... And then either bring the animals to the garden and allow them to graze it down or you can grow it in place and then chop it down and bring it to them but either way it's another purpose that our cover crops can serve at the same time that we're using all these other benefits and you can absolutely combine any and sometimes all of these based on the crop that you choose now True Leaf Market is a sponsor of this episode, and they have a fantastic all-purpose garden cover crop mix that is going to take the guesswork out of all of this for you. These cover crops are going to boost nitrogen content in the soil, provide weed suppression, erosion control, and improve the soil structure. You can get your cover crop mix by going to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash cover and choose from one, five, or 25-pound bags, depending on the size of your garden you can also access their free cover crop growing guide from that same link and explore all of their other cover crop seeds too Just justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash cover to get the easiest assorted cover crop mix out there from true leaf market so let's talk about some of the most popular cover crops that we can use and whether or not they'll winter kill in colder climates so that you know how they can be used Number one is alfalfa. It is fast-growing, but it is not frost-tolerant. It does have a really good high forage value, and it does produce a lot of biomass. They've got very long tap roots that will break up that soil and also bring up subsurface minerals, so that's going to add to the soil fertility. Alfalfa is a very, very popular cover crop. It's also um, very good at fixing nitrogen, and it can be used um, to bring in pollinators like bees. Um, A buckwheat, also a very fast grower, also not frost tolerant. It grows for about a month before it goes to flower and then you want to terminate it so it does not self-seed. You do not want it to self-seed because it can become weedy, but it is really good for suppressing weeds between crops in the summer, which is how I use it. It also attracts a ton of pollinators when it is blooming. Clover is another one. There are a bunch of different types of clover. Um, Crimson clover is hardy. Just until about zone seven, but the other ones are hardy to zone four. So, in colder climates, some of these are going to survive the winter and continue to act as a living mulch. The growth rate ranges depending on which ones you choose. So, some of them are slow, some of them are very fast. It just depends on the type. Mustard is another really fast growing one. It's great for weed suppression. It's also very good for building that soil. Um, Again, we talked about that root system. It does best in cool conditions, but it winter kills in zone seven or colder. So this needs to be planted like in the spring or really as early in fall as possible to really get those benefits. Oats can be used as a cover crop. Not only are they edible, um, but you can grow them as a cover crop to help suppress weeds. And then you can leave the stubble after you cut it down to actually help hold the soil in place over the winter. Um, It has about a medium growth rate. Field peas are another one, um, great for fixing nitrogen into the soil. They are fast growing. If you plant them thickly enough, they're also very effective at crowding out weeds. If you do this in the early spring, they do winter kill in zones seven and colder. There are other legumes in this category that also work really well, um, but they are slower growing. Things like soybeans, lentils, and chickpeas or garbanzo beans. And the bonus on these is that they can actually provide an edible crop at the same time as being a cover crop. Daikon radish, also known as forage radish or oilseed radish. This one grows fairly quickly, really good for breaking up compacted soils. This is what I use it for. It has a huge taproot. It just drills deep down into that soil to aerate it. It is an edible crop, so you can harvest it as an edible crop once it gets to full size and you will get some of the benefits. But if you leave it in place over the winter, then it breaks down very quickly in the spring and it starts adding those nutrients into the soil. And that's how I use them. Winter rye. um, This is a very hardy winter cover crop. It is hardy down to zone three. So if you are gardening in a much colder zone in the winter and you need something to help with soil erosion and to add organic matter, this is a really good choice for you. Wheat and barley are also good grains for scavenging nitrogen and potassium out of the soil. And again, it can give a harvestable crop at the same time. And finally, we have hairy vetch as another good um, cover crop. It is a slow-growing legume. So this is another one that's good for fixing nitrogen and for erosion control. Um, It is hardy down to zone four. So this is another one that's good as a winter cover crop in most areas. It will pop up in the spring and begin to grow more rapidly. So it's really good for suppressing those early weeds in the garden. It's also a really good green manure if you work it into the soil, but just know that it might be slightly allelopathic. So this means that if you are going to direct sow small seeds in the garden, you might not want to use hairy vetch um, or you want to wait about two to three weeks after incorporating it before planting because it might prevent those small seeded crops from germinating. But if you're transplanting started seedlings, then it's not an issue. Now keep in mind, you can mix many of these together to accomplish more than one goal at a time or to have a succession of different cover crops that come one after another. It's really common to mix field peas with oats and vetch to kind of serve multiple different purposes. The cover crops that I spread this past spring were a mix of field peas and oats, and then that was followed by my summer buckwheat, and then now we've moved into those daikon radish for the winter. So let's go through our seven different goals for cover cropping and then find the crops that work best for each. This list will be in the episode description and those of you on the email list will already have this info in your inbox for easy reference. If you're not on the email list, this is why you want to be on the email list. But if you want to grab a pen and take some notes of my recommendations, go ahead. I'll wait. Are you ready? Okay, so when we're talking about preventing soil erosion and providing weed control, uh, my recommendations would be clover, mustard, oats, peas, daikon radish, um, winter rye, and vetch. These are all really good um, at choking out weeds. Alfalfa and buckwheat also provide weed control, but they just don't have enough mass to really do much in in terms of holding the soil in place. So I use those strictly for weed control and use the other ones for the soil erosion problem. Um, When we're talking nitrogen fixation, always look to your legumes. So alfalfa, clover, the chickpeas and garbanzo beans, field peas, um, soybeans, lentils, and vetch, all great for fixing nitrogen back into the soil. Green manure-wise, you're looking at buckwheat, clover, mustard, oats, peas, radish, uh, the winter rye, wheat, barley, vetch, all add good amounts of nutrients back into the soil as a green manure. Again, you're going to cut that down and let it work its way back into the soil versus the nitrogen fixation, which is actually happening in the roots. So that's a very good distinction I need to make here. When we're talking about nitrogen fixation and we're using those legumes, the legumes have nodules that they develop on their roots, and that is where the nitrogen is stored. So we are mostly concerned about the root systems in those. So don't just pull the whole crop. It's very important important to cut those crops and leave that root system in place. Now, yes, there is going to be nitrogen in the top growth as well. So if you break that down or put it back on the soil and allow it to break down, yes, you're going to be adding nutrients back in too. But the main nitrogen fixation is happening in the roots. When we're talking a green manure, like the buckwheat and the clover and other things we just talked about, that's when we're talking about working it back into the soil and getting that top growth to go ahead and reincorporate. So a little bit different between those two. When we're looking to create biomass, alfalfa, mustard, oats, peas, rye, wheat, and barley, all really good for that. Breaking up the soil, alfalfa, clover, daikon radish. You really can't beat those. Um, Those forage radishes really are the gold standard in our clay soils here, but alfalfa is a close second and it actually can sometimes be easier to get the alfalfa in larger quantities if you're working with a larger area. And then for attracting beneficial insects, alfalfa, buckwheat, clover, mustard, all of those are great for attracting beneficials when they go to flower. Hairy vetch is in this category also, but only in its second season because it doesn't flower the first year, it only flowers the second year in the spring so this is only a good one if you're in zone four or warmer and it doesn't winter kill on you the key once again to all of these in this category is to not let them set seed because you don't want them to come back on their own and become a nuisance so allow them to flower then terminate them mow them down so they can't spread the seed And then finally, if you're looking to get something in the way of forage, alfalfa, clover, and mustard are typically your best ones. Just keep in mind, um, if you're feeding chickens and other livestock, any of these is good. But if you have animals that are sensitive to plants in the brassica family, like rabbits, then you might want to avoid the mustard because it is in the brassica family. And then finally, what's the best way to plant these? Broadcast seeding is definitely the easiest way. Literally, throwing the seeds in sort of a broadcast manner across the soil and then just watering it in really well. If you want to get a harvestable crop out of some of these, though, you can use a seeder and just plant them in rows. Just pay attention to what's called the seeding rate on the package. Um, Whatever you buy should tell you how many seeds you need for a specific area as a cover crop. You want them sown thickly enough to do the job, like choking out the weeds, but not so thick that they compete with each other and they don't germinate properly or they don't grow well. Then, once it's time to terminate the crop, the method you use is up to you. For larger areas, you can simply just mow them down with a lawnmower or use a weed whacker or whipper snipper, as some of my Canadian friends call it, I love that term, Um, just to cut the crop down and leave it laying there. For smaller planter boxes, you can actually use a pair of hand shears to chop it down or just roll a heavy object across the top of them a couple of times just to crimp it over and stop that growth. Now, whether you decide to till the residue into the soil is up to you and your style of gardening. I prefer to leave the roots intact in the soil to break down and then use what I've cut down as a mulch on top of the soil. This works pretty well with most things, but sometimes, like in the case of clover, it's better to turn it under just due to the way that it grows. You'll need to experiment a little bit and see what works best for you in your situation, just like everything else in gardening. I hope this episode gave you the inspiration to jump in and get started with cover cropping. There are so many benefits. I can't think of a single reason not to incorporate them into your garden in whatever blank spaces you have, if it's during the winter or even during the growing season. I will leave some links in the show notes where you can find more information and a couple of articles all about this over on the website. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.